Hey guys, this is Frankie French and Stephen Campbell of Nonprofits. What's going on, everybody? Um, Frankie is out in LA doing shows. I am down for the count with COVID. Uh, be safe out there. But we got an old episode, not even old episode. No, this, is, this is this is a nonprofits rewind. Okay, that's how we're branding it. Nonprofits rewind. Hell yes. <laughs> this is one of our favorite episodes with uh, BLM of Greater New York. Who are our guests this week? We got Hawk and Chavana Newsom, uh, brother and sister from the Bronx that are doing all sorts of cool work with, for Black Lives Matter. They started Black Lives Matter in New York City. Uh, it's a really dope conversation, and uh, we'd love people to hear it. Yeah, like, subscribe, and make sure you definitely share. And if you do, if you want to send us a message, send us one. Tell us some people you'd love to see. Tag us. We'd love to engage. And if you want to be on the podcast and you're doing dope work, send us a message, and uh, we'd love to talk to you. Five, six, five, six, seven, eight. Da 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 I think that, I, it's I, not a Zoom lag. It's, no, I it's, think it's a Zoom lag. Uh, we got episode 19. Very excited for today's episode. You didn't let me introduce the episode number. It's episode 16,542. My bad. I've only been here for 19 of them. And I, <laughs> I appreciate you taking count, though. I do. Yeah, I do what I can. How, how's your week been, Stephen Campbell? Yo, I'm, I'm chilling. I was... I was uh, very, very recently kind of got into the mindset of trying not to stress over some shit and just seeing it as an opportunity. We're raising money for a bunch of cool causes. We raised $7,000 on Sunday. We did. Teak Fellowship for Breakthrough New York and for America Needs You. So helping to get college access. Um, we're going to actually, it's one of the things I want to talk to uh, our guests about a little bit, but starting to put together some of these bigger shows in Brooklyn for food access, getting people that um, can't afford certain like CSAs. Are you familiar with the CSA? Um, customer service agent. Yes. I am very, I was a CSA for some time in my youth. It's a uh, community supported agriculture. And no, I, so, I know, I, I know what that is. Okay. Well, <laughs> well hey, I appreciate you not pretending not to, so that I could just, you know, set, set it up. Um, but we're, we're talking to some groups about setting up some like really big shows in Brooklyn to, uh, get some people access to very healthy food that otherwise may not have access to it. So, um, starting to do some real dope stuff, trying to, you know, as things start to open up in Brooklyn, we've got first show inside tomorrow, which is very nerve wracking, but you're, you're fully vaxxed though, right? I'm fully vaxxed next week. Oh, okay. So you have a, another dose to go. Yeah. I'm getting my, I'm, I might be getting the first one on Friday. Hell yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, we, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if, it, if because my, you know, um, my husband works in healthcare. Oh, word. So he kind of has to. So if he gets the, the um, Johnson Johnson, I'm trying to get the JJ. Cause it's just, yeah. a, it's a hit it and quit it. I'm not trying to, you know what I mean? I don't want to have to like, go on that weird first date and then come back like all awkward. You know what I mean? Right. And then like see that guy again. Oh, 
Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's always weird when you like hook up with somebody on the first date and then they're just like, yeah, then you want to hang out with them an, a month later. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. That's what it's weird. Right. And then the, my other, my, thick. my real concern is that I have never returned a red box movie. <laughs> like okay. ever. Why yeah. never? Never returned one. I have a whole DVD collection, all red box movies. And that leads me to believe I will forget my second shot. Like, I feel like I won't go back for <laughs> the rest of the shot. So I literally, I literally have, uh, so it's on April, uh, it's, it's on my calendar, but the day before I have four or two, two alarms a day before four alarms a day off. Okay. That's smart. Yeah. Um, which usually is not, not my thing, but yo, when you go into the vaccination center, it is like like summer camp, like socially distant summer camp. Like everybody, I never went to summer camp, but like all the videos of summer camp that you see when people are not getting murdered and it's not like a Jason summer camp, very happy, very joyful. Everybody's like, the energy is so, they're like, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for being here. Like everybody is just so- That's weird. Oh, I, it's, it's very nice. It's, uh. it's very nice energy. The, all the people that are volunteering are like just- mad helpful everybody's thanking them everybody is i i'm new york in general just from how rough it was at the beginning to where we're at right now there's that's so bad for new york man that's like that's my you know i'm originally from new york and i just felt so bad it's like you guys got it so ugh. and then like that whole stint with the fireworks yeah what was it? What is it? What was it like a month period where was it the police setting off fireworks every night? I mean, that was like that was like heavy COVID time where like I was only allowing so much news to penetrate my dumb piece. You know, like I just like I couldn't cause there was there's conspiracy theories all the way through all of COVID. That one, like. Honestly, I don't even want to engage with it because I don't know. But it was it was definitely people were dumping fireworks into like it was a lot of ridiculous like, and very sad. I know a lot of people had a hard time like during that period. It was, yeah, uh, it, was weird. it was it was. Yeah, I mean, but all of the bad shit that we have been through together, I definitely feel that there is a stronger sense of community in Brooklyn. You know, I don't I I to be quite honest, I haven't, I've tried to get, did you say quite honest or white honest? What did you? Yeah. To be white, honestly, to be <laughs> honestly, well, no, well, white honest is very different <laughs> than quite white honest. Like That's a completely I'm right. Gonna, it's like, I'm going to be white people honest, which is yeah. not a hundred percent. You know what I mean? But if you're going to be quite it's like, honest, then it's, it's like, like, Oh, like, crossing my fingers right it's like i'm gonna be white honest for a minute (laughs) these are basically lies but (laughs) no to be to be uh colonial honest um (laughs) i i know it it, there's a i haven't taken the train too much out of brooklyn unless there's like a show or something so like all i can say speak to is the community that's like being strengthened in brooklyn but there is um we've gone through some shit together you know, and, I can dig it. I dig uh, it. But I, I feel like I'm very excited to talk to our guest today. You're uh, not as excited as I am. Okay. Well, I, I am very excited, but to say that I'm as excited as Frankie, it, the bar is high. Okay. First of all, Stephen Campbell, AKA Soup. Um, <laughs> 
I'm trying to I'm trying to get that out there because I know how much you hate it and it's such a perfect nickname. Ah, because you're compact and delicious, like soup. And I don't know how the two correlate. What? And salty. <laughs> With chunks of potatoes inside of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but who was the first guest I said that I wanted to have? Like when we were kind of figuring this out, literally, what was the first guest that I suggested? This guest that came out of your mouth was Hawk Newsom. In your face. I don't know how I don't know why, but <laughs> we're, we're working on this together. We're a team. So I <laughs> told you. I told you so. <laughs> but yeah, and we and we have him here today. And bonus, like <sighs> huge bonus. No, ridiculous bonus. I, I, I recently found out about Shavana Newsom. There's an amazing black woman counterpart to Hawk Newsom. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is. These are the, the founders of BLM of Greater New York. And I have been dying to talk. I just love, I love what they do. And, and specifically, I love how they do it. In a world and a time where people are very vague and ambiguous about their intentions and don't use words. They, they, people, more so, I see people manipulating words to convey messages that they want heard as opposed to just speaking truth. Um, and, and bigger than that, I, I watch a lot of people, especially in interviews, manipulate conversations to get like some bogus narrative driven. And this is, these are two of the only people that I see just like, no, this is the actual truth. And we're going to talk about that. And, and that's just heroic to me. So I am over the moon excited to talk to these guys. All right, I'm done now. Cool. <laughs> so, our guest today from Black Lives Matter in New York, we got Shavana Newsom, Hawk Newsom. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you guys so much. Um, so let's just right off the top, Hawk, Shavana. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Welcome to Nonprofits. Well, you are like... Oh my God, you guys are like nonprofit superstars. So for anyone that's been like literally living in their closet under the rug, under a rock, can you please each introduce yourselves and just tell our viewers who you, who you are individually and collectively? I'm his sister. I'm kidding. My name is Javon I'm the co-founder of Black Lives Matter Creator New York, uh, former candidate for Congress, yes. uh, former financial advisor, um, a servant and an organizer who's in the fight for Black liberation. Oh, yeah. I'm the N-O-T-O-R-I-O. <laughs> <laughs> Notorious oh, H-A-W-K um, yes. I am just here to serve God and to serve my people um, we have a unique form of activism in Black Lives Matter Greater New York we say the things that people in the hoods of Augusta, Georgia would say at the kitchen table. Uh, people in the South Bronx and Harlem would say at the kitchen table. Uh, people in Houston, right? Like black folk across the country who say things at their kitchen table might not say it outside because they'd be scared of the repercussions from their jobs, from their, their, their you know, they're just from a career perspective. We don't only say those in the hood. We say it on the biggest platforms available. 
In addition to that, um, there's a legislative side to our activism. We've passed five year laws in the last year. Right. Oh, wow. And a new one introduced last week. Yeah, uh, we opened a Montessori school right here in the Bronx. We got about 30 black and brown kids learning um, from a real, real culturally sensitive and, 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 and fine tuned perspective. We raised a little revolutionaries. Um, and the last year we've, we've, we've fed over what, 10,000, 12,000 people. Jesus. So um, wow. our activism is, yeah, we outside with our fists up in the air, but the things you don't see on TV is impactful. It's, right. it's real deal. So um, that's, that's just, who we are It's black liberation first and all other oppressed people second. A lot of people might have a problem with that, but like I said, we could give two fucks about how people feel because there hasn't been enough strong pro-black movements. We, we tired of, oh, we gotta feel everybody's pain and nah, fuck that. We put black mm-hmm. people first. And if you call us with something else, we'll be right there for you. Mm. I love that. Can you, can you tell me when, when did you guys start your branch in, of Black Lives Matter? Well, just to be completely transparent, we are okay. not a part of Global. We are an independent and standalone organization. And that okay. was started about five years ago. There was actually a Black Lives Matter New York chapter, but uh, they wanted to do it more through the arts and philosophically. And we just had to respond to Black men and women dying, being cracked in their heavy batons and pretty much brutalized by the NYPD. So we were formed because we needed radical revolutionaries on the front line mm-hmm. to combat systemic oppression. And what, I can't, does like, what does it look like? You guys were talking about that. You guys are having these conversations at the kitchen table and you're able to get it to the level that y'all are at right now. What does that process look like from discussing it at the kitchen table to putting it into motion? Well, in 2016, we came out with a campaign call. I ain't voting until Black Lives Matter, right? That was at this kitchen table. We've replaced the kitchen table with desks. <laughs> so when we're at our mom's house, it's like kitchen is the office. We cooking up. You know what I mean? We cooking up in the kitchen, not in a way that's familiar with many people from, you know, our communities. But um, we are cooking up a revolution, right? So a lot of times we are here, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, coming up with things that you may see on the news later. Like, I ain't voting until Black Lives Matter pretty much said the Republicans are racist, but the Democrats are full of crap because they make all these promises and don't follow through on them. And if you want us to vote for Hillary, then you're going to have to give us something to hold on to. This was four or five years ago. If you'll notice that um, Ice Cube made a lot of noise with something called a black, uh, the black contract. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this was a concept we had four years ago that we were scrutinized for. Like, how dare you tell people to withhold their votes until they promise us. Disrespecting the ancestors. You're disrespecting the, the ancestors. So we were there first, saying some really uncomfortable things. But now, you know, four years later, when it's a little more socially acceptable, um, people, people, people digest it. And, and we just try and stay out. Um, ahead of things and the way you say ahead of things is by really being in touch with the community because if, if you think about it everything from sports to culture to art comes from our community and if you stay in touch with our community you'll be projecting pretty much mainstream America's future 
And just to add on to how did we get there, just to be clear, uh, when Hawk talks about our Montessori school that was founded and is ran by a director of education who has tons of master's degrees in education, our director of operation is a forensic accountant. We have um, our legal department is ran by people who are about to graduate from law school. Hawk is a trained lawyer. I'm a financial advisor. So it took a lot of hard work. Um, most of what I like to tell people who are watching this, activism isn't glamorous uh after your first three protests you're you're not going to end up at some music award show but <laughs> that's not what activism is about um activism is about the people it's about a lot a lot of hard work um we're not responsible to any corporations or any government entities uh shout out to riri who pulled up and she gave us a donation and nick cannon but all of the things that we're able to do from providing um a tanker in houston texas in the fifth ward for indoor farm to feeding people um around the nation all that comes from people who care people who most likely see it on social media and give what they can because they have humanity and compassion in their heart so i have a question and this and i don't know if we can answer it during this conversation but i always i think about it myself a lot i know my daughter thinks about it have conversations with friends about it but when and how when and how can we actually see change i just i don't know what the answer is you know what i mean i know that i'm tired personally i know that my friends are tired personally i know that you know what i saw specifically over you know long before but specifically during the pandemic um with directly with george floyd was emotionally devastating i can't even imagine how his family felt i can't like my brain can't process that but I know for me personally, I, I lost a, I was pregnant and lost a child from just from the stress of seeing that on the news day to day to day. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. It was emotionally devastating. Um, and I'm not the only person that felt that way. And so one of the things that I that I know for certain is that something has to change. What I also know, though, is that the, the country that we live in was founded and and based and stoked in racism so how you know and to me that says you can't and i've said this before you can't build a house on a foundation that's infested with termites you can't um it's not going to be sustainable so how do because in my opinion this whole system needs to be torn down and rebuilt properly so is that something that can realistically happen in your opinion or professional opinions or assessments well, it's important. Um, first off, I'm, I'm sorry that you lost your child. Um, terribly sorry that you lost your child. Thank you. Um, as a parent, that, that, that strikes a note with me. You got to ask yourself this, right? Are you a reformist? Or are you a revolutionary? You're talking like a revolutionary to me. You're talking about someone who's like, tear it down, build it back up, right? But in the meantime, the in-between time, you have to fight this system, right? So that means you have to fight to get laws changed while you're building something up. Um, we have a new organization we're launching called Black Opportunities, right? And that is our foundation. We're trying to put together a holy grail for Black people. Sounds ambitious. It is, right? Where we'll be in different cities feeding our people. When they come for the food, we're going to teach them about their history. Back to Africa when they were kings and queens inventing arithmetic, inventing the wheel, 
right? Talk about their greatness. We're going to teach them about law, government, and politics, uh, black economics, as well as health, because the number one killer of our people is what we what we consume, what we eat. Mm-hmm. Speaking of consuming, we have a trillion dollar spending power. I guarantee you, if we went out of our way to um, Somebody told me a really interesting story. I think it was about, what was his name? Madoff, right? Yeah, Bernie, uh, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, yeah. And um, it was something about him growing up and, and them needing a special kind of bread, right? But the bread was sold closer to them, but they would travel like an hour away to get it because it was a Jewish store that they were buying it from. Mm. This is what our people lack. Our people lack discipline. Mm. And we have to organize them to instill that discipline. Folks during the um, King era, when they were boycotting the buses in Selma, didn't take the bus, the New York City bus, for what, a year and some mm-hmm. change? Like, this is the type of time we got on, got to get on. So it's like, what can you do? Spend your dollars with black businesses. Send your mm-hmm. kids to black schools. Um, it's time that we handle what we what's in our hands. Uh, Adam Clayton Powell. We we handle we we work with what's what's in our hand, what we can control. Make our lives um, as individuals. We do for mm-hmm. self, and we go out there and we support our black community. Little knuckleheads is acting up. We check them in our community. Like we have to go out of our way to correct our own communities. Now. Mm-hmm. White people would love to hear that. They'd be like, oh, that's what I was saying all along. No, it's not what you were saying all along because right. you're ignoring the racism that we have to fight every day. But um, for me, for us, it's about building up the black community, empowering black people every day. That's why you don't see me at every March, every day, all the time. I said mm-hmm. something a little earlier today, and it was like, you know, niggas, I, I say niggas on here, right? Yeah, yeah, I say, yeah. Yeah, one of my, yeah, yeah that's, niggas yeah. running around asking me, to help them build boats, right? When I'm trying to build a bridge right. over the yes. troubled water, right. call me to build a boat so we can struggle our way across when I'm trying to build a build bridge. Build a bridge, yes. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we have bigger aspirations. We have a, a, a place we need to get to and it's stop, time we stop thinking small. We got to think bigger. The bigger the plan, the bigger the progress. Can I, can I ask a question? Uh, where do you see white people in this conversation, right? Like where can we be of value add in this conversation and where do we need to take it? Just shut the fuck up. Take a back seat and shut up. Well, well, that's part of it. I don't know where the- but the thing is, is, is don't come in here with this this Jesus, I'm going to save you sure. um, type of type of attitude. Here's the thing. White people have something that we were deprived of systemically through redlining, through racism. White people have resources. Don't come to me with your advice when you could connect me to resources that can help me. Do what the fuck you're good at. Like when people come to work with us, I'll, okay, you, you're creative. Okay, I need you to create a flyer. I need you to come and teach us to paint. I don't need you standing up giving speeches all the time. I need you to do what you're good at. And most importantly, white people need to go and fight uh, anti-blackness and white people 
Mm-hmm. Like, you, you ain't got to show up in the hood and, 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 and give give away food and do it. No, you see anti-blackness, you confront it. Go to your banks. Go to um, um, your landlords. Go to the people who you know who are exploiting black communities by owning businesses there and not employing black people. Let's deal with the real shit. And I also think an important part of that would be that white allies need to respect black leadership. Um, I I would never go to a Jewish organization or Muslim organization and tell them how they should overcome, how they should structure and how they should organize. And I think Hawk had touched on to it earlier and how white folks would talk about us loving our community and building up our community and the mutual aid of our community. It seems as though everyone knows what's best for black people, but black people. And that's white supremacy to think that you know what's best for black people after only endured and what we're trying to achieve is the root of white supremacy. So the best thing for a white ally to do would be supportive, to be that resource, uh, to listen to black leadership and to fight anti-racism and anti-blackness. Um, us as an organization, we are long past the point of trying to explain racism to racists. Uh, you have Google. Mm. All the resources you need are there. And white people created racism. So I, I think that's something that they should fight internally. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you guys have created this Montessori school. Do you have plans to go beyond that, you know, into like intermediate and uh, creating high schools for black and brown children? Well, the way the school is structured, it started with the first grade pre-K class mm-hmm. and the kids will age out by the time they reach the eighth grade. Uh, and what Hawk was always so talking about, the creation of black opportunities, uh, we're looking to purchase land to have our headquarters and our facility on. And when people come there and we feed them and we teach them these things about self-defense, policing the police, wellness, uh, overcoming the trauma of being Black, what they also need to learn how is to deal with the fourth industrial revolution. How are we going to deal with automation as a person? Why are there not more black women and black men inside of STEM? So these are things that we need to teach our people life skills. We need to give them things tangible. We need to create income for our people because the biggest thing hurting us is poverty. And that's what Martin Luther King was working on in the last years of his life, eradicating poverty. And I believe that Black opportunities and the blueprint we've laid out will help achieve this and get this goal to happen. I worked in um, recruiting in corporate America for years. And um, in the grander scheme of what I did, I would actually build recruiting departments and and talent acquisition departments and and, uh, internship programs and all of those things at colleges. And one of the things that I noticed, this is just going back to something you said about why aren't there more Black men and women in STEM programs and building things on that side of the, on that side. And and that's because a lot of companies don't hire black and brown people. I had to fight incredibly hard to bring on talented black men and women into the organization. And when I say fight, I'm talking about literally meeting with my, all of my C-level teams and breaking down the, these interviews that I was having, um, you know, with fully qualified people, I'm, I'm talking about beyond a lot of the other talent that they had brought in. And that shouldn't be that. That's why you don't see that is because racism, like I said, it, and I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't know, obviously, but it's baked into the fabric of our society so much so that it's almost like people don't even know that they're doing it. 
because it's yeah. so natural. And like I black is bad. It's that you're giving because when we talk to sea level people, we talk to them, they they pretend there's no qualified black people around. No, there are qualified black people. No. You just ignore the names like Shivana. You ignore the black people who don't fit your mold, and we get passed over. And let's be real: when everyone talks about this glass ceiling, when you're black, especially a black woman, there's a concrete ceiling. All mm-hmm. the whole system and everything is completely designed against you. But we wouldn't be fighting this fight unless we were optimistic unless we believe that we could overcome i believe that we can i just uh, you know like my mom when i was little i remember her always saying that we wouldn't see a black president in the white house in our lifetime right and she passed away before barack was in office Um, yeah unfortunately but i was with my daughter and we watched it together she and i were on the sofa watching it together and i remember crying Then I also remember thinking and and feeling hopeful and feeling excited for the future and watching those eight years unfold and seeing this beautiful, black, intelligent, educated, just this amazing, solid family in the White House, a stellar representation of the black family. And then what happened in the next the, the following election? It was like just basically Steven they shat on my chest and tried to tell me they were finger painting that's what <laughs> happened okay and to see that contrast and then get that reminder like oh no 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 Frankie racism things aren't getting better <laughs> it's about to get significantly worse and just and 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 watching how America responded to those eight years was it was gut-wrenching. You know what I mean? Like it felt like, Oh, Oh wow. This thing is happening. My, you know, my mother told me we'd never see it. I wouldn't see it. I wish like maybe your kids, kids will see it. And then to see it. And then for that to just be completely undone in a lot of ways was devastating. Can I, can I ask a question for here? After, after those four years, do you see, are you hopeful for what you are seeing with what you are seeing now? Me? Uh, all three just in general um you know what I, I i'll speak for myself i am absolutely hopeful um i think that uh, you know a lot of people were upset with the pandemic and my take on and what i saw we got to all watch america wake up and and not not really even wake up i'm not going to say that term we got to watch america not be able to hide because we were all inside we we're all trapped in our houses none of us could go anywhere and the only thing we could really do was absorb whatever was on tv And when we all sat together and watched a white man murder a black man in broad daylight on on television, there was no place to hide and pretend like it didn't happen. Mm. You know what I mean? And so to me, I'm like, hallelujah, thank God. Now white people are going, oh, my God, you know what? (laughs) Hey, (laughs) Uncle Jim, remember how those Negroes were saying racism existed? Holy shit. It really actually exists. And you know what I mean? And for that, I, I am thankful and hopeful that there are more people, so to speak, on the team, I feel like now. For sure. So that's that's part part of my take. Shivana and Hawk, what are how do you guys feel? Or what do you guys think? Um, I, I am grateful for the entire Trump administration. It let the world see how racist it is, um, how racist it was to our former president, Barack Obama. Um but I, I didn't, because I guess that I drank the Kool-Aid, the Obama Kool-Aid. I, I believed in all the hope. I really thought he was going to be like sweet baby Jesus and deliver black people like Moses. And that didn't happen. So um, I don't 
have faith in career politicians. Um, as we see with the numbers of immigration, as we see no anti-blackness executive orders, as we see nothing being talked about about reparations, I'm not sure what this administration can do for the people. But what, what I, I do know is that true power belongs to the people. If people realize that the government will not work for us unless we make it work, our communities will not change and our lives will not change unless we take control of that. That's what I do believe in. That's what fuels my engine and fuels our organization to keep going because we believe that power comes from the people. Do you think, I'm sorry, Hawk, go ahead. I, I just, um, I need our people to take a realistic, a very sober approach to politics. I think that we should stop elevating these people and see them for who they are. They are people who know how to give great speeches. Mm -hmm. They are people who know how to inspire you. They are people who don't usually deliver. Um, I need you to, I need us to treat politicians as if they were a member of our family or someone in under our employee, somebody under our employment, right? If you have an employee who always says the right things, but is followed through as trash, you're going to weigh in and lean on that employee. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes time for Christmas bonuses, you're not going to give it to them. And you might be looking to replace that employee. Uh, treat a politician like that. Okay. Um, historically, the Democrats have been full of crap. Uh, Republicans have been uh, uh, racist. I mean, you have to understand when Republicans say that Democrats were once this thing, everything flip flopped in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Democrats went for the black vote when they didn't do that before, and Republicans went for the Southern white racist vote. That's when it flipped in the 1960s. So we just have to look at them very soberly. If Barack Obama didn't wave his magic presidential wand and heal all of our problems, then maybe we shouldn't look at these, um, look at anyone else like, oh my God, they're going to come in and change the world. A perfect example is our Asian brothers and sisters, right? You talk about the amount of wealth they accumulated and how strong their communities are. Then I want you to name me five Asian politicians. You can't, right? Because they saw the power of building their communities. We're so busy building up these politicians and treating them like Mm -hmm. celebrities that we're not focusing on building our own uh, communities ourselves. It is lazy. I'm accusing the black community of being politically lazy. Because we take the easy road. We go out and we vote and we take that stand. However, are we doing all of the other things necessary in our community politically? Are are we taking control of our schools? Right. Right. We as a group taking control of our housing and economics. So 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 for me. It's about doing for self. Like my philosophies have changed a lot in the last few years, particularly in the last George Floyd changed me. Mm, George, Floyd had, had, George, George Floyd had me like, Yo, you know what? This marching ain't it. We've been marching for five years and nothing happened until we won. We rioted until we had millions in the streets. So 
either we if we want something productive, we have to riot or we have to organize the masses. Now, mobilizing the masses is different than organizing the masses. Right. We have to get in our communities and in, educate people and inspire them to get out and fight for themselves instead right. of sitting back. Like, come on, Kamala's the top cop. Joe Biden's a segregationist. Like, mm-hmm. like all of these politicians are prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> stupid. But, um, but the reality of it is, is there's kids in cages in the border right now. Flint still doesn't have any water. Two hundred and sixty thousand people have been deported. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, Flint, Michigan, the brother named have water. Stewart or something we just posted. Uh, killed by the police. They ain't saying shit. Like, no. when are we going to stop trusting these politicians and trusting ourselves? Ivana, can I ask? So. Just out of it, just I don't I, I I share all of these opinions about politicians. How do you navigate through Congress uh, when you win? When you win, um, how do you navigate through those waters in a in a way that, it, for lack of better words, that you're able to play nice with these people and still work with these people because it just it seems like such an insurmountable thing. And I, I sincerely appreciate that you're, you're doing it. And I do love seeing more and more people that represent what you represent in Congress, but it just seems like so overwhelming to navigate through those waters. I, I think that a good politician or a good business person or a good community organizer, anyone who does these things has to know how to work with other people. You have to know how to pull from other sides of the table. And what we've seen in recent years and in people who become widely popular political, people care more about press conferences, uh, late night shows and morning news than actually getting shit done. The purpose of going to Congress is not to be famous. It's been a very long time. You didn't know there like there are many Congress people who you don't know their names who have passed tons of bills. Yes, as an activist, being able to get press is huge. That's how you bring awareness to an issue. But I think that shifts. I, I think that that knows how to work with people, how to understand people, how to close a deal, but then never being silent. Because I think that what happens to people, especially when you think about something running for Congress where you're up for election every two years, when you think about seats like that, you're so focused on retaining power that you forget about the people. I think that if everyone mm-hmm. remembers their why when they decided to run for office, when they were bright eyed and thought that they can change the world, if people remember that and they remember the constituents who put them there and that they're not celebrities, that they actually are servants and work for the people, I think that's the attitude that's needed to get there. Like right. you can always, I think someone told Hawk what, you can always throw like the hardball. Sometimes you have to know how to just work with other people i feel like uh, you know just in my uh, opinion and what i have seen i feel like um our government is run by big business as opposed to by the people and for the people and just in in this conversation talking to the two of you is part of the answer mobilizing locally and at the state level and getting you know what i mean getting teams of people to push the proper agendas that are actually for the people at that level and then, and then working our way up. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? There's a a great meme, right? And it says 
the hood under Bush, the hood under Obama, the hood under Trump. Mm. And it was the same three vacant buildings, boarded right. up buildings for each one. Like, come on. What, at what point are we going to stop doing the same things and expecting change? Absolutely. Agree. And I, I never I didn't I was happy to see Obama get in office because he was a black man with a black family. I mean, I, 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 I cut you off this. Yeah, um, we fundraised for Obama. Vani worked for the inaugural committee. Mm-hmm. Like we love Barack Obama, right? As a human being, as a man, and shout out to him as the first black president. But he's just another American. President. Oh, agreed. Right. That's you know exactly I mean? my. That's one hundred percent my point. That's where I was going with that. Is that I, I just didn't... wanted to tap on your point before we stray from it. <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Local politics. Yes. And black Lives Matter. We actually have something called Black Lives Caucus. We were the first okay. to endorse, not that we're so proud of this at the moment, but we endorsed AOC when no one knew her. Right now, city council in New York City, which holds a lot of power, which just ended qualified immunity. We're putting, we have a 10 candidate slate. We're also going to endorse someone for mayor. So we understand the point of creating people and molding people like us. But sometimes just like anything, nothing's perfect. We didn't know that some of the candidates that, that who were true radicals and revolutionaries would become no more than celebrities who only tweeted when it was trendy. But we right. are trying. Uh, we've sat through 70 different candidate issues, which are a lot. Uh, politicians tend to be pretty long-winded. Um, but we're very hopeful uh, in terms of having seats on the state, local, and federal level. Aside from um, the the programs you've you've stated already can you kind of go through what the structure of blm of greater new york looks like and what other kind of community programs you guys have in place and how can people get involved well um we have the black lives caucus Mm -hmm. we have wildflower charter school uh we have black opportunities which is launching we give away food almost every week. Uh, we give away clothes. In the last two weeks, we've helped with two different funerals. Um, there is so many, there's information campaigns. There's just so many ways that people can get involved. Uh, we always have GoFundMes. Uh, people can support us by buying our T-shirts. The, 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 the um, website is BlackLivesMatterGreaterNY.com. It's in my bio. Um, there's there's just so many different ways that, that you could get in. You could uh, email us. You could, you, you know, there's... You're very accessible. Yeah, we are. And we like real, fo- like real people. Like, um, we have made this become this media giant, right? Like, like mm-hmm. you look up, we're always in the press and um, that's dope, but you got to be able to look at those activists and say, okay, I got it. I see the hundred thousand. I see the millions on Instagram. Okay. I see mm-hmm. you in, in front of these cameras. Now show me the money, show me the work, mm-hmm. show me what you've done in the communities. And I mean, as far as we go, we've been in 200 schools, right? Wow. I've okay. lifted black voices on several continents, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting for the black Aboriginal people in Australia. My man, David Dungate, God bless his soul, said, I can't breathe 11 times in 
the same way that Eric Garner okay. said, I can't breathe 11 mm-hmm. times. Like, like we fight this fight for real. Like, no, I like, see like, it. Like, like, like for real. And um, what you what you deal with is you'll deal with the pettiness and you'll deal with a lot of the nastiness in the activism world. People can say whatever the fuck they want to say. But if you take that logo that's behind you, that Black Lives Matter logo, and you hold up that work to any other na- activist group in the country that has been born in the last five, 10 years, then you will see exactly what we're talking about. Like, if, if people want to be a part of that, they want to do real work, fine. But it's, it's not going to be mouth and lip service. You really going to have to work around here. We have made people celebrities by just showing up and talking for the camera and, and, and not really doing those days are done. Right. I'm not handing people uh, platforms for their lives, their families and their careers anymore. If you come around here, you're going to have to work, bring your talents and whatever's on your resume mm-hmm. that are your strong suits. Bring that to the table. Don't bring me your voice and your, and your marching and your fucking signs. Okay, bring your talents to the table, right? Bring your dollars to the table. Help us to help other people because this is a real movement. I love that. With our current infrastructure, uh, when everyone was growing uh, this summer, most organizations who were on the ground, grassroots organizations, they accumulated, like they they just quadrupled and super multiplied in size. But our core team is um, just under 10 people. And oh, wow. I know that people are used to seeing, um, yes, we have the ability to bring out 25,000 and to bring people out. But um, I, I know the world sees uh, me and Hawk, but no, we're full democracy. We're voting body um everyone's opinion and voice who are in our inner council um it matters and it counts you may see us uh but no there's a strong small team behind us who works very hard every day to fight for black liberation and we try to stay as sucker free as possible because that's where to be you know what i just um posted not too long ago thank god i'm not a sucker mc so (laughs) I appreciate. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that no, y'all say fuck up great. Candidate interviews. He was like, he was all the candidates. They're all like city council. He's like, you know what? You gotta stay sucker free. You gotta it stay was, sucker free. Like, That's it's so it, it's so incredibly true. I'm very careful. Even so, I went from corporate America to doing stand up comedy, and I just found so much more. I felt so much more empowered. And um, doing stand-up comedy. I love corporate America, and I've been doing comedy professionally for a few years now. Um, and it's been a struggle, but whatever. I'm thankful for it. I, I love what I do. But in, in making that transition, um, one of the things that was a big contrast for me in corporate America, you have to play the game. You know, people, you got to play the game. And I'm not one for doing that. So I, I've always been an outspoken person. I'm going to speak my mind. You're not going to be disrespectful to me. You're not yes. going to put me down and push me to the side. I'm never going to allow that. Um, and, and it's for that reason that I'm not in corporate America anymore. I made an executive decision for a group that I ran. Um, the white man who was not my boss didn't like the fact that I was right um, and asked to do it a different way. The C-level executives agreed. Um, and when that didn't work and I came back with my facts and figures uh, and they changed it, reverted back to my original program, um, he stopped speaking to me. And I told a friend of mine at work, I said, I'm going to be fired. I can, I can, I just, I already know that. And they, huh? 
You just feel it in the air. Well, I, I knew it once I, I once my plan, once his plan was proven false by me and then they went with with my original objective. I knew that he was hurt and I knew that one and then they fired my direct report and hired him as my boss. And once that happened, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be fired. Um, I say all of that to say that in, now in comedy, I'm very particular about who I work with. If you see me working with someone, it's because as far as I know and have been able to um, assess, they are on the team. They're good people. They're good folks. And they have a positive um, mentality. One of the things I love about you guys, I said it in your intro, is that I've seen so many interviews with people. And as I'm watching, I'm getting angry. Like, why aren't you confronting this lie? They're blatantly lying to your face and you're just sitting there letting that happen. You it's know what capitalism. I mean? That's what it is. It's, it's insanity to me that they are going to lose their home. And let's be real. When you're black in America, you're probably taking care of a mama, auntie, a cousin or a nephew. People fear that they will no longer be able to provide for their families. It's cowardly. But do I, I judge them? And another thing I think black people need to get comfortable with saying as we fight for all marginalized people and everyone, it's OK to say that you are fighting for black people. You don't right. have to lump in every single marginalized group. If you mean black people, say black people. And trust me, we are inclusive. Our team is extremely diverse from around the globe who make up our inner circle. But let's be real. Everyone here knows it is Black Lives Matter, Greater New York and Black Opportunities. And we are fighting for black people. And I'm not going to not say that. Period. <laughs> that's how you stay sucker free they just better know like I, I, it's, it's, it's so amazing like just like just not caring <laughs> like, yeah. we, it's, it's, there's such a freedom in saying work with me or not we'll be yeah. fine there, <laughs> when I tell y'all there's nothing more freeing than not get than having zero fucks there is nothing better than that when this, yeah. when this pandemic when we were kind of like halfway through and, and a lot of the marching started i was watching a lot of the comedy clubs that i work at sit silently you know and i went on <laughs> what some might might call a career ending campaign but <laughs> I, I did it anyway because like i said i'm not gonna be quiet i'm not gonna be i'll never be silent you'll never get me to shut up and so I, I, I reached out a couple of times. So a couple of them directly got no responses. And so I went on these video campaigns on my different platforms, just saying, look, we as comics, we're very outspoken. We always talk about speaking truth to power, but the clubs that employ us, that employ our, our black people in, on their stages, in their audiences, in their kitchens, they're saying nothing. They've asked me to, to work for free and, and raise money for their club why haven't we done a show to raise money for Black Lives Matter? Why can't they just at least say it? You know what I mean? It, it was important to me. You know what I mean? And a lot of clubs actually came out and raised money. They started, you know, being active. And but a lot of comedians stopped talking to me because they made I made them feel uncomfortable. Well, Frankie, you know, you're not going to get work. Well, guess what? I still work. You're never going to make me beholden to money to a point where I'm going to degrade myself or not speak up for black life. That's not going to ever happen. Don't work with me then. You know what I mean? I'm still going to eat because I'm going to just make my own thing if that's the case. And I just I love you. No one can take away ever, so, ever, <laughs> ever, 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 ever. So I love your, I love your message. I love what you do. And I love the way that you do it. Change 
nothing about yourselves. I don't give a shit who doesn't like it. And I mean that. Yo, I think one of the refs just had a heart attack in the final four. (laughs) 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 What? I'm serious. They said he was up to the side and he collapsed. Listen, I love y'all. But final four NBA playoffs yeah. is my mental health, my time to myself. No, so you got this thing open so I could I could like check the score. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. The motherfucking ref yeah. laying there dead. The motherfucking ref dead on the floor. I pray he all right. I pray for the nigga like dead on the floor. I, I pray he all right. I'm not. That's not funny. I'm not laughing at that. You heard it here first. I'm not going to hear it first. Um, we 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 hit the time, and that was an excellent. <laughs> that was an excellent close. That was a fantastic close. Hawk, Hawk. Somebody in the chat said Hawk is IRL Luke Cage. And <laughs> I just wanted to get that off before. Oh my God, that is one hundred percent Luke Cage. I just so it. you know, um, Newsom's. We're best friends now. I don't know if you know that, but we're I best guess. friends. Um, that's number one. Number two, when you build your Black People Village, please sit, put a house for my family to the side. Okay, one hundred percent. hundred acres is all you need for a city. Yeah, I'm I'm moving in. Um, I have growing hands. I can cook. I can do hair. I can garden. Um, my husband is an amazing a stylist. We have skills to bring. See, so just, this is what we need. Yeah, we have skills to bring. I'm a great. Mar- I'm great at marketing. And I got Steven over here, who's a fantastic ally, and he is a fundraising guru. So, yeah, we're gonna definitely work. We need to close on this village, so I'm gonna have winter reach out. Yeah, and we're gonna work together with you guys too and do a a dope ass fundraiser when this world super dope. I have Lynn to shoot out something. Yeah, 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 that's happening. Um, I know that y'all are uh, specific with like companies that y'all work with, but like the corporate funding is kind of where I have a little bit of a strength. So in the spirit of offering the strengths that you got, um, that is somewhere that I can help. But we can talk offline. I'll talk. We will talk offline. Yeah. Thank you guys Uh, so much for being here and realizing my personal dream. I sincerely appreciate (laughs) it. Right on. Manifestation. I'm somebody's personal. I know. Oh, he's hundred percent. He's sitting up. He's sitting up. He's in a stretcher. Yeah, I'm Prince Work. Yeah, we've been invested in the lives. <laughs> <laughs> they say laughter is the best medicine. Poor kids. They're going to be finished the game. No, they got a substitute rest. Oh, it's a I never knew they had substitute rest. They say um, laughter is the best medicine. I guess us laughing at him healed him. Yeah, so right. that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you guys so much. We'll let you guys go. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. And just okay, so you know, right on. From now on, from now on, I'm calling you Hawk Cage. Okay. Right on. All right. Right on. All right. Thank you, Shavana. Twelve gauge, because I. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys, Stephen. That was amazing. So 19 in the in the books. Black Lives Matter, New York. Black Lives Matter, uh, Greater New York. This was Hawk fantastic. Um, my name is Stephen Campbell. Are we still okay? And I and I'm Frankie French. I don't think we're up anymore. But this has been nonprofits. Ow!
All right, I got to go take my sexy husband to dinner. All right, tell your sexy husband I say hello.